You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to the Techie Leadership Show. Today with me I have Rachel Williamson. She had a remarkable career spanning the past 30 plus years working for iconic brands. From store manager to vice president of store operations for multi-billion dollar companies. Wow, amazing. Really sounds good. She has the knowledge and first-hand experience to help others achieve success in their retail stores. I am really looking forward for to your stories, Rachel. Hello and welcome to the show. Hello and thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, so um, my pleasure. Thank you. So you gave my professional introduction and I always have a tendency yes. to always lean into the professional side, but I'll take a moment and share the personal side because I think people Please always do. Like add more, add more. The personal side. So, um, so I'm married and uh, he's an architect and a chef and a just all around awesome Whoa. guy. So really wow, lucky. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was definitely blessed to find him. Um, we have a daughter, and she is, uh, what, 24 now? She's in graduate school. And uh, nice. so we are just really excited to be watching her grow. And, um, you know, you, you spend your whole life really focused on your kids, and it's awesome to see her growing. And so I get a lot of joy out of that. I'm sure a lot of people listening feel the same way about their kids. And then I also yes. have a dog, um, a very naughty Scottish terrier named McGregor. <laughs> And, uh, but she is, she's just a beautiful, wonderful dog and I love her. So that's just a little bit, a little bit about me personally, but, um, no, your professional intro was great. I'm currently a retail consultant, speaker, podcaster too, just like you, um, author. So, um, it's just all about all things retail. Um, I love shopping. And so retail was really a good career to go into (laughs) because I could actually get paid to shop. So (laughs) I would have to turn my wife onto this career path because she (laughs) loves to shop. There you go. That's great. So if public administration doesn't work out for her, she can always start this because she has lots of experience shopping. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, you already start with all this experience. You can't go wrong. Exactly. Well, I'm already grateful for having you on the show. I found out like a new career path for my wife. So There you go, awesome. just in case. Always good to have a plan B. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and Rachel, with which question do, would you like to start? Do you want to start with the success story or the leadership failure story? You know, which why don't we start with the big the big opportunity or failure story. Failure might be a strong word for the story, but I still think um, that what I learned so positively impacted not only how I chose to lead going forward from that moment, but also uh, how the people around me learned from my own, <laughs> from my own failure, my own mistake. And, you know, leadership is a journey, right? It, we don't just become yes. leaders. It happens over time and you're really never there. I mean, for me, I feel like I'm still like, I've got a private Facebook group and I've been leading them through John Maxwell's book. We'll talk about that later, but I feel like le- Growing as leaders is just a constant challenge, a constant um, evolution. And but this particular story, 
Um, it's kind of a tough one to share. I've left names out of it, obviously, okay. um, so that uh, we'll protect the innocent here. But <laughs> yes, I was a district. <laughs> I was a district manager for Bath and Body Works here in the United States, and oh, I think okay. you might hear my brother sometimes. Sorry about that. Yeah, no and, problem. Okay, okay. And uh, as a district manager at that time, I had sixteen stores which was a lot. They were all in the central Ohio area, so there wasn't a lot of travel, and I was really able to visit the stores very frequently. So, so far it all okay. sounds good, right? Yeah. Well, I had one particular store that was very high volume, um, very close to the corporate headquarters, which Bath & Body Works is based here in Columbus, Ohio. And so when you have the district that is right by the corporate office, well, you know what that means. You've got your CEO and all of your executives popping into your stores all the time. And yeah, it's so easy on. to say to you, yeah, right? It's so easy to say to yourself, well, it needs to be really good for the executives so that I look good, my leaders look good. But the truth oh, of the yeah. matter is we had to be good for our customer. They were the ones who mattered. It was being great for our customers every day. Well, I went into yes. this one particular high-volume store that was, like I said, very close to our corporate office. And could you put McGregor outside? Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, well, you said you have a naughty dog, so I, you, proof you is can in see, the pudding. You can see that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, this is just real life working from home, isn't it? We have all exactly. kinds of sounds around us. So, um, but anyway, so I was visiting the store and I probably visited my stores at least two times a week. For any district managers listening, that is really frequent. Most stores get visited one time a month. But again, because of the visibility and because how close they were to each other, I was at these stores a couple times a week. Well, every time I went into this one store, the back room was absolutely trashed. The sales floor okay. was okay. There would always be gaps in the walls or on the tables. And I, then I'd walk into the back room and be like, oh my goodness, it's a mess. Well, let me set my things down and let me chip in and I'm going to help you clean this back room up. We're going to get that floor filled in. We're going to talk about how important it is to do this and we'll be good. And the store manager was nodding along. Yes, yes. Happy for the help. So we get everything filled in on the floor. We get everything organized in the back room. She has amazing sales volume the rest of that week. I keep talking to her. See, see how important having your floor filled in an organized back room helps drive sales. Yes, yes, yes. She always agreed and nodded along. And then I go back into the store again. And again, the back room was a mess and there were holes on the floor. And I was no. like, okay, why? Right? I mean, yeah, why? why is this going on? So once again, what do you think I'd do? I would talk about it. I would tell her, you need to do this. You need to do that. Telling her, telling her. And we'd get it cleaned up again. I would do a little less each time, pulling in associates to do it, directing them what to do. Everything would look great. Sales would be great. I'd come in again and again, the same mess. I was commenting to my regional manager how I was having these challenges. Now this store manager was driving great results. And so when you okay. have great results, the supervisors all usually are like, yay, they're so awesome. And sometimes <laughs> good results happen because a leader drives them. And sometimes good results happen because you're lucky. There's just traffic yes. and so you have good results. 
So I explained to the regional manager what was going on, and she shared a story with me. And the story is called The Ketchup Story. And so I'm going to share this story with you, because I think when you hear the end of the story, you're going to understand what I did and what happened. I'm so, was, so here's the ketchup story. There was a young gal that worked at McDonald's. It was her very first job. She went through all the orientation and training, and her job was to assemble hamburgers. So she was taught, you take the bun, you put the patty on, a score of ketchup, a score of mustard, your pickles, you put the rest of the bun together, you wrap it up, and you go. Sounds easy enough, right? Yes. Right, not. Well, I mean, anyone could do it. So every exactly. time she made a burger, she was doing the bun, the meat, the mustard, a squirt, but the ketchup, two squirts. Everything else wrapped it up and go. So the line supervisor notices this and says to her, hey, remember, it's one squirt of ketchup and one squirt of mustard and all the other things. And she says, okay. So they're watching again with the two squirts of ketchup. So yeah, he tells her, yeah, yeah, like this isn't hard stuff here. It's one squirt of ketchup, one squirt of mustard. So her shift is over. You know, she keeps agreeing. Yes, yes, yes. Her shift is over. She comes in the next time to work, different supervisor working. They're noticing two squirts of ketchup every time. So that supervisor takes her aside. It's one squirt of ketchup, one squirt of mustard. Did you go through training? Do you know this? She's like, oh, yeah, I know. It's fine. That's what I'll do. But she still does two squirts. So the manager goes to the store manager and says, we have to get rid of her. I mean, she's got a great attitude. She shows up every day. She's awesome. But she just doesn't follow the directions. She went through training. Mm -hmm. And we've told her, two of us, two different times, we've told her one squirt of ketchup. But she keeps doing two. So the store manager says, I'll sit down and talk to her. Store manager talks to her, how was your training? Training was good. Do you have any questions? Nope, don't have any, she says. He's like, okay, well, I heard there's been some challenges with how you assemble the burgers. Remember just one squirt of ketchup and everything else. She says, okay, goes and does it. And he watches her do two squirts of ketchup. So he tells his district yeah. manager, hey, I had to fire this person. But at McDonald's, you're not allowed to just randomly fire. Like a lot of companies, you have to make sure you've done everything you should do. The district manager says, don't fire her. She's got all these other qualities going for her. Let's just, let me just talk to her. So the district manager sits her down, asks her about training, and says to her, can I ask you a question? Why are you putting two squirts of ketchup on the burger? And she says, I love two squirts of ketchup on the burger. Doesn't everybody? And the district oh. manager said, no, everybody doesn't. At lunchtime, most people are going through a drive-thru. They're on their break from work. Two squirts of ketchup gives you a better chance to have ketchup run down the front of your clothing, your necktie, your dress, your blouse, whatever. Customers actually prefer only the one squirt of ketchup. And then if they want more ketchup, we'll simply give them as many ketchup packets as they want. But we end up with more complaints when we have two squirts. And she goes, oh, I thought you guys were just being frugal with the ketchup. So I decided everybody else liked their burger the same way I liked my burger. Now, what did the district manager do that the store manager and the supervisors didn't do? Well, the district yes, manager why? asked why. 
He wanted to understand what she believed about ketchup and hamburgers. And in doing so, he was able to get to the root cause of the problem. So let's stop the ketchup story and go back to my story with my Bath and Body Works store. The next time I went back to that store, I sat down and asked the store manager, tell me what you think about back rooms and their ability to drive your sales. And she said to me, I don't care about my back room. Stop talking about my back room. I care about great sales associates on the floor who get the customer over to the sink for a demonstration. I care about happy customers. I care about customers who hang around in the store long dwell time. I wish you'd stop talking about my back room. And so all of a sudden, the light bulb came on for me. I had never before asked her what she thought about an organized back room. Now I understood what she believed. She didn't believe back rooms mattered. Then what I was able to do was share to her how the back room being organized helps product flow to the floor. And why that's important is because when you're busy and you need to fill your floor in quickly, your associates being able to find the product and get it out to the floor will keep it filled in so that your great associates could keep driving sales. She had her own aha. She was like, oh, I get what you're saying now. You aren't just telling me to have a neat back room because it should be neat. You're helping me with a neat back room drives a full floor and a full floor drives the sales that I want. So in getting through to this, using this catch-up story to get through to what she believed about her back room, I also was able to be a more effective leader. I learned from that moment on that getting to the root cause of an issue is absolutely positively the most important thing that you need to do. Because if you don't, you'll never understand what really happened. Now you can get to the root cause by asking what they believe. You can get to the root cause using the five whys. I don't know if you know about that one. You just keep asking why to what they answer you until you get to what feels like the root cause. It's not always five times. Sometimes it's three, sometimes it's six, but it's somewhere (laughs) around five times. And so for me, um, this was a, a failure situation when it started and a big success when it ended. After that visit, I never again had to organize her back room. Now, it may never have been quite to the standard that I would have liked it, But what she solved was there were no longer holes on the floor. There were no longer, you know, gaps in how the store was merchandised, which meant customers found what they needed and could buy. And so you could see how it changed how she thought about it, but it also changed how I led. Does that make that story make sense? Oh, it makes so much sense. And it's, it's so true because from my own experience, I found that, Every person that shows up for the job and wants to do the job, but they have their own vision on how it's done properly and how it's good. And sometimes their vision might be better and might help the organization, might help, might help the company. And sometimes it might hinder the, the goals you're trying to achieve inside the company. But, and, but if you don't find out exactly what the beliefs are of the people working in your team are, you cannot help them uh, align them with what 
you're trying to achieve your own goals and the company goals and their own personal goals. And exactly. it's something, it's, re, it's a really deep, deep story and I love it a lot. It's really good. good. So the saying, and I use this a lot when I talk to people, is what I believe drives how I behave and how I behave drives my results. And if your leaders yes. listening learn one thing, I hope it's that. Let me, I think it's worth repeating. What yes. I believe drives how I behave and how I behave drives my results. So if you're a leader and you have someone that maybe, you know, is not doing something the way they're supposed to be doing, or you're just all around having problems, if you can get to understanding what someone believes to be true about the situation, you will then be able to go and influence their belief in order to change their behavior, which will ultimately change the, the, the result that you're looking for. And this was just such a big aha moment for me. I, I remember saying at that time, why didn't I learn this like in my 20s? You know, it would have oh, been yeah. so great. <laughs> but, you know, we learn uh, with age comes wisdom, as they say. So it was just something that I, I was grateful that I learned it when I did. I, I'm still in touch with that regional manager and, um, and, you know, so many great experiences. Every place you work, Bath and Body Works is one of my favorite places I've ever worked, but um, every place we work, we learn, right? We learn either good things or things that we don't ever want to do, but we still learn things if we look for them. And I think that was such an important thing for me to always say, what can I learn from this supervisor? What can I learn from this peer? Uh, you know, what can I learn in order to keep growing how I think about things and, and just to be the best leader that I can be. And I find some people who are leaders that sometimes they just complain about their leader and they could say they're not very good at this or they're not very good at that. But all that really does is make you look like a bad leader too. It's how can you help them? Right. So, um, you know, if you've got young leaders listening to your show, I worked with a lot of it guys in my retail career. We rely on them. We love them so much because they help us with our point of sale system. They help us with all of our technology. And um, I find there were so many opportunities, great project managers that nobody was developing. Nobody was investing in. So I love your podcast. I love what you, what you and your company stand for, really seeing that talent in people and looking to develop it. I think it's great. I, when you reached out to me, I was like, oh, this, this guy's got it. I saw this over and over and over Thank with you. my IT partners um, who they really were so starving for development. And yet things were moving so quickly around them. It felt like no one ever had the time to do it. And um, yeah. just a lot of really That's great people. But yeah, yeah. I saw so many. Every company I ever worked at, I would see examples of that with our IT group. And, and Rachel, I... I... I love how you you're always asking yourself how can I be a better leader how can I improve always doing this constant introspection and I think that's something that's necessary for for you as you said like you're never done on the leadership road it's a continuous road until the end of days and but the only way to progress on it is to constantly look into a mirror ask yourself how can I improve what I can do better what have I learned from all my uh, my mistakes because mistakes are usually the source of lessons uh, in when you win 
not that many lessons there, <laughs> at least from my experience. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. But, I, I, I love yeah. that idea of, you know, when you win, maybe you don't learn as much. But I, one of the things now, I mean, I'm, I'm older now, so I've, I've learned more now. But one of the things is after every project was completed or something was rolled out or what have you, we would do a hindsight and we would talk about all the things we did right and what could we even have done better and what will we what will we strive for next time and then all the things that were opportunities and how are we going to improve those or how do we tweak the um, the store you know the SOPs the like the, yes. the the guidelines on how to do it the standard operating procedures or whatever you want to call it uh, and I learned that really I'd recommend everybody do that for any project you roll out for you know, for anything that you, once you've finished it, go back. Of course, you're probably looking at it as you're going. I hope you are. But when it's done, still do a hindsight because I think even if you had the best rollout ever, if you go back, if you get all the stakeholders in the room who worked on that project and you've got your flip charts up or your whiteboard or whatever you use and you talk about what are all the things we did right and people are, you know, calling those out you know, we were collaborative and we communicated well and we kept our, our project plan up to date or all the different things that, that are included. And then like, okay, what could we have done better? Well, that weekly meeting we were having, we never really got the brands to show up for that. How could we do that different? Or we thought everybody was aligned on the project and then six weeks into it, we found out mm, they wanted this or that. Why didn't we find that out sooner? So even though things go really well, I would encourage our leaders listening to still say, you know, there's still an opportunity to say, is there anything we could have tweaked or done differently? But it's also a great way for the leader of the project to listen to everybody else and to really be seen as, I think some people think it's weak to um, not be like, I'm the boss and I have all the answers it's weak to listen to people below you. And it's like, no, that's what you should be doing. That's how you get people to follow you. Ask what they think. Ask, you know, how do they think things went? And how did they, what do they think we should change? And I think, and be open and listen and don't get defensive. Um, You know, it's not about you. It's about making it better for whoever your end customer is. And, um, and so many pe- bosses think they have to be the boss and be that strong and dominant person. And yeah, those days are over. The 80s called, they want their leader back. You know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not how it's that's done. That's a good now. point. But there are people who have bosses like that. And so they've learned the, they've learned to lead that way. Um, and so yes. I would definitely encourage them to be open to listening to what your team has to say, for sure. Yeah. Evolve a little. That's right. That's right. <laughs> And Rachel, for a success story, what do you have? Well, you know, my biggest success story was really how that story ended up. It was that that manager really understood how to keep that backroom organized without giving up what she believed was most important, which was the customer experience on her selling floor. And that's what I loved about that whole it took a failure of mine. I wasn't asking the right questions. I wasn't asking them in the right way. I was able to get advice from a good leader, someone I trusted who could help me. And I love the power of stories. I think stories are such a great way to teach. 
And once I shared that story back with this manager, I remember I had to buy her McDonald's that day. She was like, you totally got me in the mood for McDonald's. And I went through the drive yeah. there and got us both McDonald's, but it was kind of funny because we weren't even McDonald's eaters. But you know, the big success there was I learned that I shouldn't just assume and shouldn't just tell people, but this is how you do it. I needed to slow down and say, from now on, when I see something that doesn't make sense, instead of jumping right in and saying, we need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that, there's no more tell direct. I needed to start asking questions. And so as I prepared to do store visits, I would literally sit in my car um, outside of that shopping center and I would review all my notes from the last visit and I would hone in on what the opportunities were. And because I wasn't confident in asking great questions in the moment, I would prepare those questions. I had a feeling I knew what I was going to see. And I would prepare those questions so that I really was like teaching myself, okay, remember, you have to ask. You've got to ask what they believe to be oh. true about this issue. You can't just tell them what they need to do to fix it because if they don't believe it, they won't do it. And so yes. it really, from that moment on, it tweaked my own leadership style and it tweaked my, it reminded me, but I was disciplined. I, I mean, I sat in the car every time before a visit, didn't even go in there. I was preparing, look at their results from last week, from yesterday, what questions do I wanna ask about that? Look at the issues from the last audit that I did. What do I wanna look for and how do I wanna phrase it? What if I see the same issues again? How will I phrase it? What will I ask them? And um, some people found the five whys to be annoying. They were like, oh my gosh, stop asking me why. And so it wasn't, it isn't always the best way to do it. So sometimes you yeah. want to have different tools in your toolbox to be able to use with different people. You can't, if all you have is a hammer, every opportunity is going to look like a nail, right? And so yeah. you really want to have different, different ways of dealing with different leaders on your team because it isn't a one size fits all approach. Some people like the five whys. Other people said, if you ask me why one more time, like, so help me, my head's going to leave my body. <laughs> and, and so, you know, you learn, right? You learn that um, yes. leadership is understanding it isn't one size fits all. And how will, I, how will I ask questions in a way that really reiterates um, what, what they believe and keeps their self-esteem intact, and just allows it to be a conversation and not sound threatening or you need to do this or I'm not going to tell you again or any of those types of things. But tell me more about, tell me more about why no one has gone to the sink in the last hour. At Bath and Body Works, getting people to the sink, well, when I worked for them, was a really big deal. You wanted to demo the awesome scrubs. So they could see the impact it has on their skin and want to buy it. And so mm. as you you know, stand and observe, and you'd maybe not see anyone going to the sink. And so then I would learn to ask, instead of saying, we need more demos going on, you need to get someone here doing demos. That was the old Rachel. But again, that from oh. this catch-up story on, the new Rachel was, how many demos have you noticed? I'm trying to think if I've missed them. You know you haven't missed them, but you want to make it in a non-threatening way. And then the manager would yes. say, you know what? I haven't seen any. Hold on, let me let me talk to my 
front door person and see what they're asking and what are they talking oh. about. I'm like, great, go do that. That's awesome. I'm like, in the meantime, I'll see if any of the new scrubs need to be replenished or, you know, you give them, they had their own aha moment. And that was so much yes. more important than me just going in, telling them what to do and leaving. And when people become leaders, sometimes they think that's their job, but it really isn't your job to go in and tell them what to do and leave. It's your job to help them uncover the opportunities for themselves by asking really good questions. Yes. Makes and sense. having them, I love how you said, like helping them have aha moments in your lives. And also yeah. I'm, I'm a, a thing that a key point that I like about what is and I'm trying to use myself is to do the work to improve and expand your toolbox. You can start with a hammer, but put a wrench in it, a screwdriver, have right. options because you're going to, it's also not going to be boring professionally if you use the a hammer all the time. <laughs> have, well, have it, flexibility. It, it would be. Can you imagine uh, a builder who only had a hammer? I mean, what, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it doesn't work just like every job requires a different tool. Every person requires yes. a different approach. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really good uh, segue into the next uh, thing that I want to ask you. What would be your leadership philosophy? Oh, gosh. You know, I think um, my leadership philosophy, I guess my biggest thing is really uh, that, that saying that I said to you, what I believe drives how I behave. Um, I'm reading right now. I don't know if you know, I'm sure you know who Simon Sinek is, but I don't know if you ever read the book, start with why. Um, but I, I basically read it I in a day. It. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Fantastic. You need to buy it. You need to read it. Everybody listening needs to read it. it. Simon Sinek, uh, start with why you can get it on Amazon. You can probably get it anywhere. It's a paperback book. Um, it's got, a, it's like 200 and I don't know, 240 pages. But, you know, I think what I love about this book, the cover says how great leaders inspire everyone to take action. I'm a very fast-paced leader. And what I mean by that is uh, I don't want to take forever to get something done. I want to get the right people together. I want to talk about what the issues are. I want to get everyone's ideas on solutions. I want to land and go. We, you don't have time. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, sometimes, oh my gosh, we've been talking about this for six weeks. Just go already, right? Because if it wasn't an yeah. issue, you wouldn't be talking about it. But it is an issue, and we need to resolve it quickly and resolve it well. So as a fast-paced leader, for me, I have a tendency to move really fast um, because I want to get the job done. If you ask people about me, they would say, oh, Rachel, yeah, she gets stuff done. And there was a point that I was most recently as vice president of transformation, um, right after I was vice president of store operations, they gave me a new opportunity, same company. And I, I was like, Oh my gosh, if one more person says she gets stuff done, they're like, no, it's a compliment. I'm like, to me, it isn't. But then I realized and came to grips with if what I do is help a company be more successful by getting things done that need to get done, that's great. But what I want to be known for as well, and this would always be their follow-up, is that I get there by bringing everybody along with me, not by just charging uh. the hill on my own. And so I think my philosophy is I want to 
understand what people believe to be true, if it's off kilter to not aligned with what the organization is trying to achieve, then I'm really good at influencing the way people think about things. And my reason for doing that is because if I can't influence their belief, then their behavior is never going to align with what we're trying to accomplish. And the result will never be there, no matter how hard I try, no matter what I do. So I think it's really be, almost become my mantra, this what I believe drives how I behave and how I behave drives my results. Now, the funny thing is Simon talks about that a little bit in here, not that exact quote, but uh, he talks about a little bit in his book, Start With Why. So I obviously know I didn't make it up, uh, learned it along the way. But, uh, but the truth of the matter is, I have learned the, the hard way that that is the best way to lead. Now, um, another thing about myself as a leader is I'm a big reader. I love books. Oh. I have a huge library. Um, everywhere I worked, uh, people would come in and check books out of my library and borrow them nice. and then bring them back. So I was known in a very large organization um, as the book lady. And um, uh -huh. <laughs> it would allow me to do one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. I would do one-on-one -on -one, uh, mentoring with people that worked in our distribution center. I did one-on-one -on -one mentoring Easy. with people who worked in our uh, IT department. Um, there were women, a lot of women in this IT group. And IT historically has been a male-dominated um, male group. And so there were yes. some, a lot of women and they just were like, you're successful, you know, because people look at your title, so they think that means success. But as a vice president, there weren't a lot of them at our company. So it was considered, you know, if you were a vice president, you were successful. And so I loved being able to invest that time. And it usually started with sharing a book that would help them. Uh, because I do think that when you mentor people, they should have a little bit of skin in the game, too. Yes, you that's just true. you don't just tell people what to do. You want to understand how they're thinking about things, and if they're willing to read a book um, it, in order to get better, and then we can discuss that book. Uh, that always made for the most amazing conversations, and so that that's been another thing that I've been kind of known for throughout my career is big on reading, coaching others, mentoring, and. Um, I think if you are given the gift to lead others, then you have a responsibility to help them be better, to help them move up the ladder. You know, I've seen so many um, executives who, who want to lock arms with other executives and keep people from moving up the ranks to get into those yes. positions. They feel threatened or what have you. And I would just say that's the worst type of leadership because our job as leaders sure. is to help those around us become leaders. It doesn't always mean a big title. Sometimes it does mean a big title, but you can have, you know, my daughter demonstrates leadership. You know, she's in grad school, but she works at a pharmacy. She demonstrates leadership in that she's not the pharmacist. She's a pharmacist, farm technician, but she demonstrates yes. leadership over the whole group um, because she wants to deliver the best experience to the customer. And especially with COVID going on, there's a lot of protocols that need to be followed yes. and she's very diligent about that. And if she sees one thing, not she'll pull someone aside. I mean, she's not the manager. That's leadership, right? You see an opportunity, exactly. you press it. It's not just about title. So no, that's another, nothing to do with leadership. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But so many people think 
they correlate the two, don't they? They say, oh, yes. well, I'm just a project manager. I don't have any direct reports. And so I, that I'm not a leader. My boss is a leader and they're not very good or they are very good. Um, and it's like, no, no, you demonstrate leadership. No matter what your title is, you should consider yourself a leader and work to be a leader. Direct reports don't make you a leader. Um, yes. Hopefully by the time you have direct reports, you're pretty good at leading because you can make oh, it yeah. for others. But, <laughs> um, but I would just encourage people in any position, you have an opportunity to demonstrate leadership. And there's great, great books out there. And I think mentorship is, is a wonderful way to grow your own skills and capabilities. Find somebody you respect, find somebody with results and ask them if they'll mentor you. But these are all part and parcel of kind of my, what I, my philosophies and what I believe to be true about being a leader. Yes. And since we're talking about how to, how people should grow into a leadership position and it's not about titles for aspiring leaders, what would be the top three leadership tips you would have for them? Yeah. So I think um, the first one that I would say is becoming a leader doesn't happen overnight. You can't microwave a leader. And we live yeah. in an instant. <laughs> be nice. We live in an instant gratification culture, and it's just so important to remember that leadership is not a race, and you're just always going to be developing. So that's probably number one. Number two is to be secure in who you are and focus on others and help others get to the top. Don't think it's just about you; it's about you and your team and helping them grow and develop. And then I think the third thing that I would say is to really maximize your strengths and minimize your weaknesses. There's a great book out there. Big surprise. I'm talking about a book again. Um, but there's a great good, book out good. there called, called Strength Finders. And what this book does is you take an online test and it spits out your top five strengths. And basically what the author is talking about here is not that you shouldn't focus on weaknesses, but when we focus on our strengths, our natural ability, our natural gifts, those are the components that we're going to really, really keep getting good at. Our weaknesses, yes, we can get a little better, but we're probably never going to turn them into a strength. So the philosophy around strength finders is very interesting. It's very interesting, though, to see how we're wired. So when people do take the quiz, this is what I recommend. Number one, okay. don't overthink the questions. Read the question, select your answer, and keep moving. If you overthink oh, it, yeah, if you overthink it, it's like changing an answer on a test. You take it, you take a test, you answer, you go, I don't think that's right. And you go back, you change it, and then you end up getting it wrong. Go with your yeah. first reaction when you're answering this. Secondly, don't read the book until you've taken the test. Now that might sound really funny. People might think, oh no, I'm gonna read the book and understand what it's about and then I'll do the test last. No, do the test first and let me explain why. When you read the book first, you identify all these different characteristics that you hope you have. Let me give you an example. And then you cheat. That, well, you try and answer the questions in a way that you think that you will get that attribute, <laughs> right? So I have a friend whose number one attribute is woo, win others over. I am so jealous oh. of this. I want to be a woo really bad. 
I know that woo is not my number one thing. It just isn't. It's fine. I'm nice. I'm friendly. I am not woo. Now, she was an event planner for me. As an event planner, having a woo personality is fantastic. Hotels want to work with you. Restaurants want to work with you. You know, it's fantastic. And so she was suited correctly for the job. If I was a woo, I probably never would have become the vice president of transformation because that's not the skill set, right? But when you read the book first, you do have a tendency to identify skills that you (laughs) hope you have. And then you try and answer the questions in a way that may not be true. And and then the printout isn't going to sound like you, which means the end result, what you should do to get better, won't work either. So don't read the book. Take the test, then go back and read the five sections, the five different attributes, read those chapters. Um, And then you can explore the other chapters as people you know may have a a certain attribute. And what I love about the book is it helps you with how you can work better with someone who has this attribute or that attribute. Um, And so that's where all of the other chapters come into play. But you'll really focus on your five attributes and how you can maximize them, what overly maximizing can make it a weakness, how to work with people that have these same attributes, etc. cetera. Um, and so my third thing, really, my third tip is if you haven't yet taken Strength Finders or even Standout 2.0, um, it, t- it highlights your top two attributes. But one or the other of those are really helpful for you to understand what are my leadership attributes? Where, who am I naturally, just the way I was born? And then who do I want to become? And how do I begin my, or continue my journey as a leader, but more self-aware of who I am and how others might perceive me? You know, we can have blind spots about ourselves. I I sent something of mine to someone to review, and I didn't really care for the feedback that came back, because I thought this thing was fantastic, right? What is that? That's a blind spot. It was a blind spot that said, these are the things you didn't see. And when I saw the feedback, I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. So we all have them. And uh, this is a great way to potentially learn about some of those blind spots. And again, it just helps you be a better leader. So those are my I, for one. Yeah, I, for one, am going to take those tests. I'm really yeah, curious. Yeah, you're going to love it. <laughs> I'm going to love it for sure. The funny thing is, I was, pretty sure, I was pretty sure it was wrong, so I took it a second time, and the exact <laughs> same answers came out. So if you really answer honestly, it is, it's really going really to type your style, which will be – it's very awesome. interesting. Yeah, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's funny. Awesome, awesome. And I, I – I found out that you have like a huge library. You've read a lot. You've shared some awesome books. Um, so I would be really curious what what is the book that had the most profound impact on you? Uh, you know, years ago when it came out, the book Good to Great. I don't know if you remember that book, but Good to Great is a is yes. a classic. And even though it's a little bit of an older book now, a few years old, uh, I still go back to that book a lot. Um, and it's that it, it's just a really it, it's an impactful one because it makes you think about brands and companies who are great and brands and companies who are good and is good the enemy of great. Um, and so I, I love that. Nice. Uh, but re- my most recent, I actually couldn't put it down. I, I opened it up and, and read it in a day. Um, the Start with Why book. Uh, 
just because of just with my own business and what I'm working on this I found this one to be really really helpful for me personally but I will tell you for any young leader that might be listening John Maxwell's book the leadership handbook 26 critical lessons every leader needs um, this is 26 individual chapters and so you're not really reading it all in one day this is something you could read chapter a week or what have you because each chapter is a, is a different leadership principle and I love that um, the chat the chapters are short mine is dog-eared and underlined and highlighted and circled I mean but <laughs> I, I've taken my private Facebook group through this book um, over the last oh, 24 weeks or so where we've got a couple chapters left to go nice. and so it's been really fun because you you know everybody's commenting and we're just learning from one another uh, but definitely that's a really good one and I and not that if you're a seasoned leader you shouldn't read it if you've never read it read it um, but for new leaders I when I was working through this with the team I was like I wish I'd found this book like a long time ago there's just so many obvious easy things that you can do that will make a big difference in the way you lead so those are wow. those are probably my really best cool. right now and Rachel, if people want to find out more about you and get in contact with you, where should they go? Yes, yeah, so they can go to my website, which is www.runninggreatstores.com. I have a retail consulting business, I'm also a keynote speaker, although with COVID, I don't know that there's a lot of stages happening, but um, I've been able to, to share my thoughts through Zooms and things like that. So people yes, are already online. pivoting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also have a proprietary store operations retail platform that I've created. Um, and this helps stores who really don't have a robust store operations system to just be able to, they can just take what I've created and plug it in and run their store that way. So it's very helpful for D 2 C companies that are going into the brick and mortar space. It's really helpful for uh, boutiques that want a franchise that need to have really solid store operations, but um, haven't done that yet. So this is just a really nice framework um, for how to run an operationally excellent store. So they can learn about that there. I've got blogs. I've got lots of free resources that are downloadable. Everything is always free on my website. Um, I've got a podcast too. I've just started podcasting. So I'm only What's your podcast? My podcast <laughs> is also running great. It's under running great stores. I've kept everything under the same. Um, and so people can find it on all the big uh, platform podcast platforms or uh, can also listen to them now through my website. And I do a series life of a store manager, which is really fun to talk to store managers and hear about, you know, how they got into retail. So there's lots of different things. Um, but I would encourage anybody listening to head over to my website and join the mailing list. You won't get spammed. I never sell my mailing list, but I do send a newsletter out usually once a week. Uh, not usually more than that. And uh, with just updated information on kind of what's going on, insights with what's happening in retail, things of that nature. So hopefully people visit the site. It's friendly and fast, and mobile friendly and all that good stuff. So. And I'll put all the all the information in the show notes so they can easily find your site and all the links awesome. necessary to get in contact with you. And it's been a pleasure, Rachel, having you on the show. Uh, my mind is blown with all the tidbits you shared. Amazing. 
amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to share kind of my leadership journey. And um, I would just encourage leaders out there. We all have good days and bad days as leaders, yes. but don't give up. Uh, find, you know, find someone that can mentor you, find a great book that you can go back and refer to, talk to people around you, talk to peers, but don't give up because uh, people need leaders. So I just encourage you to, to just keep strengthening yourself as a leader and, and help those around you. It makes the world a better place. Yes, it does. So thank you, Rachel. Bye-bye. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe and share please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.